us in our own situations, but God's Word speaks to us corporately as a body of believers. And uh, as I've spent time in it this week in preparing for the sermon, God has done a work on my heart before I even got to the place of thinking, how would I share it with somebody else? Um, God has been speaking um, to my situation uh, this week. And so I just really want to encourage you from the outset that the Word of God is not just writing in a book, but it's God's very Word to us, that it is living, that it is active, that it is breathed out by God and is for all of us, that we would be changed as a result of being in the Word. So, uh, yeah, I just want to encourage you even this week as you think about what your week is going to look like. Uh, I really hope that the Word of God has time in your week as you come And I was encouraged, as Dylan shared, and he could even see a difference in in one week compared to the next. One week that had the Word of God and a week that didn't. Yes, God is is the same with us. um, But yes, we can see the difference as we come and spend time in His Word this evening. So I'm just going to pray and uh, we're going to jump into the text of Ephesians 4 tonight. Lord, I thank you for your Word that that is living, that speaks to us in our real situations, Lord. Um, things that were written for people thousands of years ago, just as bit relevant to us, even right now in this room. So, Lord, as I pray, I pray tonight, Lord, that you would help us to be equipped by your word. I pray that you would help us to be challenged by your word. And I pray that we would be encouraged by your word uh, this evening. I pray you would speak to us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so here we are. Um, We've been working our way through what a wonderful book Ephesians is. Uh, a wonderful book of setting up a, a great theology, a good foundation in understanding who God is as the sovereign God, the ruler of all, who has called us to himself, adopted us to be his people. And then as Paul continues on in the letter, he actually is now looking at what does it look like for us to be a Christian? What does it look like? How do we actually live this out? If we were to think about how does a Christian live, Paul's now explaining what this picture looks like of the Christian life. And uh, one of the things that he says here is that we are to live a a life worthy of the calling. So we're going to have a look at that tonight. What does it look like to live a life that is worthy of what Jesus has done for us? We've heard tonight about the cross already. We've heard about what's been done for us. And we, we can ask the question, how do we actually know? How do we live this life that would be worthy of this calling? And how would that play out day by day, week by week? So here we are. Uh, Verse 1, chapter 4. Therefore I, that's Paul, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive. He gave gifts to people. But what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers 
equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning and cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. This is God's word for us this evening. And I just encourage you as, as we go through these verses, be expectant, asking God and wondering what it is that God wants to even put on your heart tonight as we hear God's word. This first verse says, I'm talking about, this is Paul here writing. He says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord and I urge you to live worthy of the calling that you have received. This calling, is, this is what we saw in Ephesians 1. It's something that we receive. None of us got up one day and said, hey, I'm going to go after that calling from God. I'm going to do some really good God stuff today. I'm going to go and get that calling. No, it's something that came to us by a gracious gift. It was purchased by the blood of Christ at the cross, and it was given to each of us. This calling, given to all as a gift. And then we're asked to live worthy of the call. When I think about that, and if I was going to be completely honest and say, hey, um, do I think I'm living worthy of the call? I would have very mixed emotions, to be honest about how I would answer. Am, am I living worthy of the call? And I feel that I wouldn't be alone. I feel we would all be in a good place, actually, if we were questioning, am I living worthy of the call? That would actually be a good thing for our heart. If we were over here going, yes, here I am, check me out, worthy of the call, all eyes on me. I would be concerned about where our heart is at, if, we, if that was the approach. But to be able to ask that question and say, am I living worthy of the call? Now, the great thing is here, is that I'm not left to my own, and you're not left to your own to work it out. You're not left to your own to say, yes, go ahead now and work out the calling. But the Holy Spirit of God, God's very Spirit, the same God who created the heavens and the earth, the same God who raised Jesus from the dead, that Spirit resides in us, conforming us to the image of His Son and helping us to live worthy of the call. And Paul simply lays it out with a few words to help us along the way. Have a look at what he says here in verse 2. He says, Live worthy of the call that you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. So here he has a description for us. So what is a life worthy of the calling of this gift that we've received? What does it look like? Well, it's one that is marked by humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. Verse 3 says, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So now Paul's shifting about these characteristics of the Christian person and that they are seeking unity in the body. That the Christian person, marked by these traits, is seeking to have unity amongst the body of Christ. Now when we think about this in regards to um, unity that we should have, we should strive and seek for unity. And it says here, make every effort to do it. So that's pretty strong. That's pretty strong wording there for us to say that you should make every effort to have unity 
amongst the body. What are some things that could separate us that are unimportant things? I'm going to hand that over to you for a minute. Why don't you yell something out, have a go um, at, at stating something. Maybe you've been in the church before and you've seen things come apart over things that shouldn't have been. Um, don't name churches or name people. But what are some things that would not be worth us dividing over? Why don't you sing them out now? Hang on, let, let one person speak. <laughs> don't all speak at once. Say again. Favoritism, yes. Looking at somebody and everybody crowding around that person. All right. Shouldn't, shouldn't be split apart by those things because they do happen amongst, amongst people, don't they? Yeah. Gossip. Yeah. The carpet. All right, that is a great example. If, if you've sat in a few of Mark's sermons, you will have heard about the carpet. He was in a church that split over the color of the carpet. How ridiculous is that? That the body of Christ, people who are supposed to be knitted together, were torn apart over the color of carpet. Um, and there's a whole range of things that if we're not careful, we could let little things come apart, bring us apart. So it's a, what a great place it is to be able to ask, let's make every effort to keep the unity among us. There is, however, there is, however, things that would divide people. And that... Um, really does come down to what are we saying about the gospel of God? What are we saying about who Jesus is and who we're presenting? Now, nobody is a perfect theologian, a perfect scholar. We are all on a learning journey. But the gospel has been made very, very clear to us. It has been um, taught specifically in the scriptures to us. It was taught by the apostles, handed on to the early church fathers and down through church history. The gospel can be spoken of, though, in ways that are detrimental to the health of the church. Let me give you an example. Um, my family and I spent a little bit of time up at um, another church for, for a season. We were uh, helping out up there, and, and there was a guy one morning that came into the church. And uh, the, the format, because it was quite small, was that we would come around in more of a Bible study format rather than preaching a sermon, just because of the numbers that were there. And this, God, uh, this guy began to speak of God in ways that God does not speak of himself in Scripture. He said that God is not a trinity. He talked about Jesus being a son that had almost had more of a, a Mormon or possibly even a Jehovah's Witness kind of approach to the way that he was talking about who Jesus was. The, thing that, the next thing that happened is as I began to try and speak about, well, that's not exactly what the Scriptures teach us, um, he became puffed up in his, in his responses. And he was not wanting to be taught anything different, but he wanted to influence other people who were new Christians in that room. And he wanted to be confrontational, argumentative. And uh, so him and I sort of eventually sort of moved over into some conversation that seemed like it was going okay at, at the start. But when I said to him, that's, that's not what we would teach here because that is not how God speaks of himself. I'm not sure where you're getting that information from, but the scriptures don't promote God in that way. And uh, he got quite offended by me um, saying something like that. And he said, I won't be coming back here. To which I responded, I think that sounds like a good idea. Now, that's not the normal response that I have when we're working through things. 
but there was just something that continued to press on about this guy wanting to influence others in a false gospel. He wanted to present to people a Jesus who could not save them. And that's where we need to also be able to stand up and say, that's not what the scriptures teach. So I just wanted to highlight there in regards to our, our unity, we are unified, we are brought together in the gospel of God, in the, in the teachings of Christ that was passed on to us by the apostles, that's passed on to us through the scriptures. But what should we do? We should make every effort to continue to work towards unity. In verse 4 it says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One body, that's the body of Christ, being built together in one spirit. And Paul talks about we have one hope. So even in this room right now, there might be multiple hopes in regards to things that we're looking forward to. But the one hope that we have is the hope that we all have in Jesus. That's not different among us as Christians. We come together with one hope in one person named Jesus. Um, I'll share this one a little bit, but one of the, the catechisms that, that I really love, it's, it asks the question, what is your only hope in life and in death? And the answer being that you belong, that you are not your own, but you belong to God. That's our only hope, that we are God's. And that's the one hope that we have together. Verse 5 says, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse 6, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. We know that we serve only one God. Our unity as the body of Christ is modeled after the unity that already exists in Him. So if we talk about God being a trinity, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is already unity within the trinity of God. And we are reflecting and, and participating in unity in the same way that God is unified in Himself. Verse 7 says, Now grace was given to each, of, each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. All this has come to us by grace, which sets up where every, gifts, where every gift comes from. Every gift, everything that we have in our life that is good, comes from God. It is not for us, but it is for the building up of God's church. For it says, When he ascended on high... He took the captives captive and he gave gifts to people. What's happening here is Paul is uh, showing the fulfillment of prophecy. Often in the New Testament, the writers of the New Testament letters, they will reflect back on the Psalms, they will reflect back on the Old Testament and they will tell of where we are now seeing Christ fulfilled the prophecies. And we have our Lord Jesus who ascended on high and he is the giver of gifts. If we look at verse 9, but what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? Verse 10, the one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. The grounds for receiving any gift, any blessing, comes through the reality of us being in Christ, that he descended to earth, he died for us, and that he returned to the right side of the Father. And from this, he has graciously poured out gifts to you. If you are here tonight and you declare, I am a Christian, you have gifts 
You might not even know about them yet, but you have gifts that are for the building up of God's church, graciously given to you. We firstly have the gift, of course, of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, who guides us and convicts us, but further gifts are given to each individual member. And that's where he says he gave some to be apostles and prophets. Now, there's one passage in the, in the book of Ephesians that has brought so much conversation. It is this one passage. Because often people, what they do is they read a list like that and they go, all right, let's see which one am I. Uh, does anyone think I'm an apostle? I'll go and find out. Anyone think I'm a prophet, evangelist, some pastors and teachers? Now, while this is an important list about what God has given to the, for the building up of the church, I don't believe this is supposed to be an exhaustive list of gifts. These are examples of gifts that are given to the church for the building up. Um, there is much conversation that can be had about apostles and, and, and prophecy, but that's not the point of what Paul is doing here. He wants to let us know that you have, there are gifts in the church for our good, for God's glory and for our good. And these gifts, as he says in verse 12, they are for equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. I love that. Equipping the saints for ministry. That's you guys. I love that. Equipping you for ministry. See, what you did today to even come down to church, you didn't give your mate a call and say, hey, do you want to go and check out Mark doing some ministry today? Do you want to go and see Warren, go and watch him do a little bit of ministry? The, the preaching and the teaching that happens at church is for you to do ministry. So it's the equipping that's happening through the teaching of the word to build you up and send you out for ministry. So that you would be equipped to go and simply make disciples wherever you are in life. And this happens until, verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Verse 14, then we will no longer, this is a beautiful picture of, of Christian maturity, that we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning and cleverness in the techniques of deceit. I remember when I was a new Christian, there would be uh, a lot of difference when how I was some days. Sundays were great when I was around the body of Christ, but then when I went back into my job or wherever I was and I was away from Christians and Christian teaching, doubts and all sorts of things would come up in my mind. I'd hear an atheist comment and I'd go, oh, is that, is that really true? And I, was, I felt I was getting tossed about by these comments and these things because I was immature in my faith. That's not, that's not a bad thing. It's just that that's the beginning of my journey. It's not to use the word immature uh, to, to point fingers. It's to say that at the beginning of our faith, we are like an infant. Um, we're not going to go up to Hudson and offer him steak. <laughs> he might really like it. But he starts off on milk, all right, and he gradually grows. That is what we're supposed to be doing as well, moving from Christian infancy to Christian maturity. And that is beautiful, to be built up that we wouldn't be tossed about. I feel a difference in myself the longer I'm a Christian in the way things might uh, get to me as well. Um, I still have down times, but I can also recognize that the truth of God is always the truth of God. It doesn't matter how I'm feeling, whether I'm up or down. Uh, as someone who struggles with depression from time to time, you know, there would, in the earlier stages, I'd be tossed about by that sort of stuff. I'd be tossed back and forth and 
I feel like the world's just about to fall apart. But nowadays, I'm able to recognize as I'm, as I'm growing that there is um, a stability in, in knowing that God's truth remains God's truth. We should long for Christian maturity. Um, just a, a point on that as well. I think that it's really, really important for us as we're growing in Christian maturity to pray for discernment in what we hear. When I spend a bit of time on social media and I see Christian friends from all different churches and all walks of life, I see a lot of things said about Jesus that are not biblical. And then I often see people can be amening a great gospel um, statement and liking it, but also amening and liking something else that was completely not what Jesus would have taught about himself. And I sometimes wonder, hang on a minute, how can you like that comment, but at the same time like that? And I can only put it down to we haven't got there in spiritual discernment in, that, in Christian maturity yet. So I think it is really important for us as Christians, Lord, help me discern. Um, it's not okay just to say any statement about Jesus and think just because it was positive that it's true. We want Jesus' opinion of himself that we live by and present to others. So in verse 13, we're talking here about growing into maturity. Um, and it reminds me of Colossians 1.28. And it says this, Him we proclaim, Jesus we proclaim to each other, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Isn't that wonderful? That you guys are going to help present me mature in my faith and I'm going to help you be presented mature before God. That each of us would carry that responsibility to spur each other on in the faith, to continue to speak the truths of Jesus in love to one another, that we would present each other um, mature in the faith before God. In verse 15 it says, But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. What a great invitation that Paul gives there. Let us grow. That's something that we can take away this evening, just to simply be able to say, let's continue to grow together. This is the, this is the unity. This is the walking in a manner that is worthy that we would grow together in Christ. And then verse 16 says, From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. And of course, we have this wonderful kind of picture of the body of Christ being like an actual body, that the hand is needed, that the leg is needed. Uh, Christ is the head of this body, and we are all members of the body that are needed. So we ask this question today, how do I walk worthy in a manner that is worthy? And I think that what we are asking here is how do we grow to be healthy, maturing members of this body of Christ? How is it that we are doing it? Um, what do I need to know so that I can be a healthy, mature, growing member of the body of Christ? I would like that to be able to be said of me, that they could say, yes, he's, a, he's, a, he's not perfect, but he's a healthy, active, growing member of God's church, of the body of Christ. So, this week, um, as I was writing, three, I want three points to have a look at with you. And I just, I don't know, I got into alliteration this week. 
Maybe it's because I like writing songs and that's a songwriting technique. Going to take you back to a little bit of English so you bring in some alliteration. But first point, Dylan, can you bring that up for us? If you're a believer, you belong to the body. There's more alliteration to come. This is just... <laughs> this is a truth for you. If you're a believer, you belong to the body. So we are not asked to live a solo Christian life. We are called together to be one people. Um, that's what Paul is asking. That's what, that's what he's saying of God's body, God's family, is that we are one. So when you look around a room like this, or when you go and visit another church, you are looking at people that you are one with. You are looking at your brothers and sisters. Over the past couple of weeks, I've been looking at these documentaries about the gospel being taken by missionaries into places where you can't even get a, a vehicle. You've got to end up walking on foot to get into some of these little villages in places like Ethiopia. Um, I'm watching another one this week on Cambodia. And as I'm watching it, there's just these beautiful stories of the gospel coming in. And I'm looking at these people who are receiving Bibles in their own languages. And they are singing praises to God. And I'm looking at it going, they look nothing like me but they are my brothers and my sisters. And if I turned up in Ethiopia tomorrow, or if I turned up in Cambodia tomorrow, I have fellow brothers and sisters that I would go and praise the Lord with. This is a local reflection of the body of Christ that we belong to. But we belong to a much bigger body of Christ as well. And it really is a beautiful picture. But you have to belong to it. That doesn't mean just getting a little bit of church in when you can. It means that we have a, a commitment to one another that isn't easy. Um, maybe you don't like the design that God has done that. There's not much I can do about that. <laughs> it isn't my design, but that's God's design for us, that we would be one people. And we are instructed by God to grow with these members of the church. And as we do it, we are bearing with one another. So we can ask the question, how are you going with, with your bearing of one another? The, the, that's, a, that's a hard thing to do at times, isn't it? And the reason that it's hard is because people are hard. I know that because I know that I'm, I'm broken, that I'm hard, and I am needy. And that is the true state of, of all people. We are all broken and needy. And so bearing with, other, with one another does take us calling upon the name of the Lord to continue to love one another, continue to work and fight hard for the unity of the church. The church is Jesus' bride, and he loves his bride. That statement really hit me this week. Jesus loves his bride. And when I get out and I have moments where I criticize the church, what I'm actually doing is I'm criticizing Jesus' bride. I don't know about you, but that has struck me really hard a number of times this week. So um, one thing we've started doing in our house is when we have frustrations, rather than just sitting and talking about the frustrations, and here's another frustration, we're learning to turn them into prayers. All that energy and all that talk that we, could have, that we did with the frustrations, and here's another frustration, it's It's wasted wasted energy and breath but when it's turned to prayer it's handed over to the God of the church to the God of the entire universe 
who works miracles and wonders amongst people. Verse, uh, number two. All right, let's have a look. God gives good gifts for his glory and our growth. How awesome is that? God gives good gifts for his glory and our growth. So when we looked at that list before, and we talked about apostles, evangelists, we're also talking about things here like Dylan up on the sound, uh, Dylan up on the AV. We are talking about Jeb doing the sound. We're talking about the gifts that the guys have used tonight, Zach and Lemuel, with singing and leading us to, to sing praises. Um, the gift that I see that Sharon has is when you're a new person and you come to our church, Sharon has a gift of getting to that person and making sure they get in and get seated and, and find some other people to connect with. There are gifts everywhere that are being used. But here's the thing that we need to know is that all of these gifts, they're not our own. They're not there so we can say, hey, I'm awesome, check out my gifts. <laughs> they're not there so that we can have the, lo- the limelight, the spotlight shone upon us, but so that we can give glory to God. So that people would look upon us and say, why are they acting in this way? Why is there this love between them? Why are they serving each other in this way? They're doing it for the glory of God and for the growth and equipping of one another. When I think about that sound room, um, just up the back here, this is a true story. See, everyone, just turn for a moment. Have a look at that room. (laughs) Okay, great, turn back. There was a guy, this is a true story, a guy in our church walked in that door a number of years ago, a non-Christian, and he went in there with the intention to become a sound man. He returned out of there much later, a Christian, because of the guys who got alongside him in that, in that sound room and continued to disciple him. They didn't just teach him how to mix sound. They continued to tell him and share Jesus' love with him. That's Jan. That's Jan's testimony. He came into the church and went into that room to learn sound and he became a Christian as a result of it. So when people get in there, when they, when they join together, when they get up on stage together, our gifts are being used for discipleship to call people to follow Jesus and trust him. What a beautiful picture it is when the church is using their gifts for God's glory, for our own, our own growth. Number three, persist in prayer and practice patience with people. <laughs> persist in prayer and practice patience with people. We can't do this without, without prayer. Paul in, these, in, in Ephesians is dousing all of this in prayer, continuing to pray for these people that he's writing this letter to. He stops. He's writing the letter. He stops and he prays. He writes the letter. He stops again and he prays. We are calling upon God to do this work in us. Yes, we, we strive. Yes, we put in the effort. But we know that it is his Holy Spirit that does this work in us. And we are practicing patience with people. And I put the word practice in there because patience does not come easy, does it? So we continue to turn up each day and we practice patience together. We are bearing with one another. We are marked by humility. 
And when I think about myself and my own journey, when I get a little bit frustrated at times and I want people to be somewhere else that they're not quite there yet, or I've often talked about a ministry that I used to be involved with and we poured out a lot into that ministry and then I felt like people left. And um, God calls us to persist in practicing to be patient with people. I remember one day I dropped my kids off at school here. I'll close with this. And I was, um, I was walking out and I was feeling such frustration for a number of young guys that I previously was involved with. And sometime before it, I'd, I'd done a screenshot of a scripture, not really knowing why I did that one. I just thought, oh, that seems like a good one. And I made it um, my, my screensaver on my, on my phone. And as I was walking out, that scripture was on that phone for that very time. And it says this, it's from 1 Thessalonians 5.14. And we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. What a, what a broad but inclusive um, range of statements from the Apostle Paul about what Christian ministry, what bearing with one another actually looks like. On one hand, he's saying, yes, warn each other. When you see your brother or sister falling into sin or being idle, yes, speak the truth in love to them. Call them out on that because you are called to love them. But at the same time that he's giving this statement, he is also saying, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. And that scripture just came alive on my phone. It was already alive. It was me that had to do the catching up. And spoke to my heart. And uh, if anyone has ever done youth work with me, that scripture is one of the first things that I bring up with them. Because I say, people are difficult, people are hard. But this scripture has brought me so much comfort. Warn those who are idle. Comfort the discouraged. Help the weak. Be patient with a few people. No. (laughs) Be patient with everyone. Let's pray. Lord, in this scripture tonight, you call us to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. I want to thank you tonight that we have received it, this calling, that you have been good to us, God, and you have graciously called us to yourself. Lord, I thank you that uh, you don't just leave us on our own for how we will grow, for how we will live this life worthy of the calling. But I thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit dwells amongst us and in us and that you mark us by such things as humility, gentleness and patience and you call us to bear, bear with one another in love. Lord, we, we recognize tonight that that is difficult at times. We, we struggle with that at times, bearing with one another and being patient. But I pray tonight, Lord, that you would continue to encourage our hearts to grow into Christian maturity, into, into unity making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Lord, I thank you that um, we have one hope, which is in you, and we have one faith, Lord, that we are one people. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to give these wonderful gifts you graciously give to us, Lord, that we would use what we have for loving the church, building up the body, And when we think about the church being the bride of Christ, Lord, help us to be those who love 
the bride in the way that you love the bride. I thank you for this tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.